I think it's on. Stream has started. Woo! We are on Facebook Live and we're on www.mysecondchancechurch.com. And before we really dive in today, I want to say thank you to everyone who is joining us online from literally all over the world and everybody in the room. Y'all make some noise so they know. Yep. We have actual live people in the room. That's not a noisemaker app on my phone. I thought about doing that. Um, but super excited and wanted to let you know that if you'll go to the Second Chance Facebook site, that's facebook.com slash mysecondchancechurch, the study notes for this message will be posted later on today. Normally, I post them right after the message, but right after the message today, I'm going to go eat lunch because I ran seven miles this morning um, on purpose, and so I'm really hungry like right now. So super excited that you're here today, and the title of today's message is called not good enough. And this is for those, um, and I think all of us, at some point or another, have felt like we're not good enough. We've all wrestled with this in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Like, for example, when I was growing up in school, I nearly failed the fifth and the sixth grade. I'm an overachiever. And so I almost failed. And when I say failed, um, I went to school back in, uh, back in a time period where if you were doing bad in school, your parents didn't blame the teacher. They blamed you. And so it was really awesome when my mom and dad got called into a parent-teacher conference, um, and they told me, if you don't improve, you are going to fail this grade. I never really excelled in school. I made a 790 on my SAT, barely got into college. So when it came to education, I never really felt good enough. When it came to sports and Athletics. I know a lot of my friends, they played high school ball. Some of them played college ball. I've actually got some friends who play in the NFL. Um, and that's fascinating because when I played football, because um, everybody told me I should play football because I was a big kid. And everybody's like, well, you're a big kid, so naturally you'll be good. But you've got to have this one thing to play football that I don't have. Talent. Um, you've got to have talent. And so I played tailback. Get your tailback on that bench. And I can still do cheers that the cheerleaders did. Like, at a football game, there's lots of things to see. At a football game, there's fun for you and me. I still remember those cheers. Those are legit. I can do the whole thing. I could do them for days, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I played baseball one year, and my batting average was zero. Don't look at me like that. I'll never. Don't, you're ju I'm getting judged right now on the front row. I never hit the freaking ball. Now, I tried, but I hit. Um, I, I never felt attractive enough. Um, I got turned down more times than the sheets the holiday in. Some of you know what that feels like. I had a girl who found out I was going to ask her out on a date one time, and when she saw me coming, she ran. She <laughs> ran from me. I never will forget that. I saw her 10, 10 years later, and I'm really thankful she ran. Um, <laughs> and then when it came to church, growing up. Church was, um, I don't know what kind of church environment you grew up in, but I think when I was a kid, churches, it was their goal to make you feel as guilty as possible. So when I would leave church, the thought running through my mind was, do I do anything right? Do, do I do anything right? Because I felt like the message was, you suck, you suck, you suck, you need Jesus. And then when you get Jesus in your life, you still suck, um, and you need to do more and try harder. I always felt like I wasn't good enough. And I know there are people um, in the room, there's people watching today 
that when it comes to a walk with Jesus, maybe you've been told in your past because of something you've done, or maybe you feel this way because of something that was done to you, that you were not good enough. Religion always says you're not good enough, you need to do more and try harder. But Jesus says that you're good enough because he says that we're good enough. Now, in order to kind of really set this up, if you have a Bible, we're going we're gonna to get to Matthew chapter 4. We're eventually going to get to Matthew chapter 4, but you're going to have to give me a little bit of time to get there. This is kind of like an airplane sermon. we got to taxi out to the runway before we take off. I promise you we will take off, but you've got to give me a little time to kind of set the message up so we can fully understand the context of where we're going today. School, during the time of Jesus, looked a lot different than school looks today. 2,000 years ago, in Israel, in, in Jewish culture, um, first of all, only boys went to school. So little girls were not allowed to go to school. By the way, it was Jesus who actually elevated the authority and the role of women in the world. Because until Jesus came along, women were viewed pretty much as a piece of property. But and because of Jesus, and you just study this in history, you don't have to take my word for it, you can study this in history, it was Jesus that elevated the role of women in society. So little boys would start school at the age of five. And from the ages of five to 11, they would memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, memorized. This was called the Torah. It's still called the Torah today. Another word for the Torah is um, or another description is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, somebody said something about that in John 14, 6. They would memorize the first five books of the Bible. Now, the goal of this was to figure out who the spiritually elite were in this society, who were going to be the religious leaders, who were going to be the teachers of the law, who were going to be the Pharisees. And so at the age of 11, as you work through and memorize the Torah, those who were really good in school, those who were excelling, those who were the best of the best, went on to um, the next level of school. And the ones that weren't good enough to go to the next level, they went home. And they stepped into whatever their father did. So if their father was a farmer, then you became a farmer. If your father was um, a fisherman, you became a fisherman. If your father made shoes, you made shoes, and this is what, if you weren't good enough, you just went back home and did what your dad did. Now, the people in the next level from the age of 12 to 17, they would memorize the rest of the Old Testament. So from Joshua to Malachi, they would have it memorized. Now, a lot of people, I, I know it's hard for us to believe that you could memorize that much stuff, but you got to remember, in Jewish culture 2,000 years ago, they didn't have... Apple Music, or they didn't have smartphones, they didn't have all the distractions, and most of us can quote movies and songs that we've heard for 20 and 30, 40 years. I mean, the human brain has capacity, but I think smartphones have made us dumber, um, which I didn't need that much help, but, but smartphones, um, anyway, I'm not going off on smartphones. They would memorize the rest of the Old Testament. Now, at the end of their school, when they were 17, the ones that were the best of the best went on to study under a rabbi, under a particular rabbi, 
And they would, learn, they would eventually become rabbis. They would eventually become the religious leaders. They would eventually become the best of the best, the teachers of the law. That's what they would do. And those who weren't good enough, once again, they went home and did what their dad did. So if your dad was a farmer, you were a farmer. If your dad was a fisherman, you were a fisherman. fisherman. That's right. People are listening in the room. If, <laughs> if your dad made shoes, you made shoes. That's how society and culture went. Now, with all that in mind, we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. Now, let me pause real quick and just before we go on. Jesus saw Peter and Andrew. Don't miss this. Peter and Andrew weren't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for them. And a lot of times I've heard a lot of people say, well, I was here in life and this happened to me and da-da-da-da-da, and I found God. Well, here's the deal. God was never lost. We don't find God. God finds us. God pursues us. And here is Peter and Andrew, they're not looking for some encounter with Jesus. They're just going about their daily lives. And what I've discovered in my life is some of my best encounters with Jesus are not when I expect it, but they're when I don't expect it. So that's what we see happening in this text. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Now, when I first read this for the first time, I was like, well, thank you, Matthew, Captain Obvious. They're casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen, but that's what they did. But don't miss this. Why were they fishermen? Because at some point, they flunked out of the religious system. At some point, Matthew and Andrew, who are in this text, were told, you're not good enough. So you go home and you go learn to do what your father did. They were kind of kicked out, if you will, of this system. So, so what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? And in, in, the, in the next verse, verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. The people that religion said, you're not good enough, Jesus said, I want you. I want you on my team. He didn't say, stop fishing. He didn't say, you know what, you suck, you're not good enough. No, no, he said, you know what, religion says you're not good enough. I just want you to follow me. He didn't issue a command. He issued an invitation. And that's the same invitation that Jesus issues to us today. It's not about what we stop doing. It's about what we start doing. And the very beginning is when you and I are willing to step into a relationship with Jesus. Because here's what Jesus knew. Over time, Peter and Andrew would become exactly who he wanted them to be. Now, just if anybody that knows anything about the Bible, did Jesus call Peter to follow him because Peter was awesome? No. no. Peter constantly, if you need to feel, feel better about yourself, all you really need to do is go to the Bible and read about Peter because he's always dropping the ball. He's always failing. He's always fumbling through life. But Jesus still calls him anyway. Don't miss this. And I say this often. Jesus knew every stupid, foolish, self-centered, sinful thing we would ever do before he ever made us. 
And he went ahead and arranged for payment to be made for that sin and called us to follow him anyway. Not because we're awesome, but because he's awesome. So I love this. Matthew 4.20. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Now, I was thinking about this just this week when I was looking at this text. Do you think Peter had any idea what he was stepping into? No. Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, come follow me, and I'll tell you what. You're going to preach a sermon one day, and 3,000 people are going to get saved. Peter, come follow me, and one of these days, they're going to, people are going to name their child after you. Cities are going to be named after you. Cathedrals are going to be named after you. Peter was living an average, ordinary life, and Jesus called him out of the ordinary into the supernatural, which is the same thing he wants to do for all of us. He really wants us to live a lot of things, but it's that Jesus has never called anyone to be average, and Jesus has never called anyone to be ordinary. The reason we step into that a lot of times is we feel like we're not good enough. Now, it gets crazier. If you have your Bible open or your Bible app, flip over to Matthew 9 with all of this in mind because you can kind of, you can kind of make a case for Peter and Andrew. But this next section of Scripture in Matthew chapter 9, it is insane, the implications. Now, we know that this is true because Matthew wrote this. And Matthew wrote this about himself. Let's pick it up in verse 9. I drank a lot of coffee this morning. I got the jitters. Anybody else with me? (laughs) As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. This is verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, I'm going to pause real quick. Let's go all the way back to what we reviewed. Matthew was Jewish. So at one time... He would have been in the Jewish school system. He would have at least memorized the Old Testament, possibly memorized the rest of the Old, or memorized the first five books, possibly the rest of the Old Testament. We don't know. But he had been told by the religious society at some point, you're not good enough. So Matthew did what a lot of people do. When religion tells you that you're not good enough, instead of going back and stepping into average or stepping into what your dad did, Matthew became a tax collector. Now, for us, when we think tax collector, we think IRS. That's not what this is. We don't, the the equivalent, we don't have an equivalent in our society of what a tax collector was. You're going to see this in just a little while in the text. There were two categories of bad people. There were sinners, and then there were tax collectors. And even the sinners would say, well, at least I'm not a tax collector. It was the worst of the worst of society. You could not, because tax collectors, in order to be a tax collector, you worked for Rome. If you worked for Rome, you turned your back on the nation of Israel. If you turned your back on the nation of Israel, you turned your back on God. If you turned your back on God, you could not go to the temple, you could not be prayed for, you could not have your sins forgiven. None of that was possible. So tax collector, if anybody on the planet was disqualified from following Jesus, 
it was Matthew. And this is, this is what the Bible says. As Jesus, verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, he saw a man sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. This is fascinating. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. See, religion would have looked at Matthew and said, stop it. Which is, that's how we feel sometimes. It's like getting yelled at. Stop it. Religion would have said, you suck. Religion would have said, you're not good enough. Jesus walks up to Matthew, and don't miss this, because this is, this, for us, if we grasp this, it took me years to grasp this. Matthew was in the act of sinning. And while he was in the act of sinning, Jesus said, follow me. Now, I was trying to think of an equivalent to this, and two, two came to mind. And this kind of, and this is, anyway, in order to go to my gym where I go, I have to drive through um, a pretty shady section of town. Let's just say that. It's shady, right? Um, and, and there's a safer way to go, but, but there's a, th this is a shorter way. And I have guns in my car. So, so I don't mind driving through this shady section of town. Now, there is a place, because um, I've been driving through this area now for years, that um, I've literally seen with my eyes drug deals happen. I've seen the car pull up. Guy walks, and, and they, they're handing stuff to each other and money and, like, some powder stuff. I don't know, I don't know what. I, I have ne never stopped and said, what y'all got going on here? Um, I just, I can't, but I've seen several drug deals. This would be like me pulling up to the drug dealers and say, hey guys, obviously you guys are good with money and uh, you can reach some people. You know how to get your product out. Would you like to be on staff at Second Chance? Which is not far from probably what we're going to have. But anyway, that's, that's what it would be like. Or, or this, I thought about this. And this is, once again, true story. I used to work at Anderson College, now Anderson University. And, and let me just say this about Anderson University. It is a phenomenal school. Back when I went there, it wasn't that good, right? You had to, like, if you get in with a 790, you, anybody could get into school, okay? Now it is incredible. They, but anyway, so one of my jobs when I worked there is I had to do room inspections. I was an RA, and I got paid for that. So I'd go around to all the rooms, knock on the door, kind of step in, whatever. Hey, is everything good? And um, I knocked on the door one time, no answer. So I took the key and I walked in and I walked in on a guy and girl in bed together. And they were not praying. Well, they might have been. I don't know. I don't really. Anyway. And so she jumps under the covers and the guy leans back and, and I didn't like, I didn't know what to do. I'd never really been in a situation like this. And so I, I asked him, I said, um, is that a girl in bed with you? And I never will forget his answer. He said, absolutely. And I was like, okay, well, at least he's honest. So it would be equivalent to me saying, well, okay, obviously you two know something about like love and intimacy. So would you lead a Bible study for me at this new church that I'm doing? That, that would have been weird. All of us would look at a situation like that and say, that is completely bizarre, but that's what's going on right here. Jesus walked up to Matthew in the act of sinning and said, I want you to follow me. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
We don't know when Matthew stopped collecting taxes. But we do know when he started following Jesus. Once again, as we follow Jesus, over time, he takes us from where we are to where we need to be. And the, and the invitation of Jesus isn't stop it, it's follow me. Now it gets crazier, it gets crazier, watch this. Matthew chapter 9 verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, there's that dichotomy I was talking about earlier, there's the two parts, tax collectors and sinners, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. This is insane. Jesus was not at the Bible study. He was not at the church service. He was hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors. Don't, don't miss this because this right here is my heart. People that were nothing like Jesus loved Jesus. And Jesus loved people that were nothing like him. People that were nothing like Jesus loved Jesus. And Jesus loved people that were nothing like him. Which is my heart for our church here at Second Chance. I want to create a people. I want to create a church. I want to create a group of people that you don't have to believe what we believe to belong in our church. Because over time, I believe Jesus will take us from where we are to where we need to be. Even if it takes 18 years, like we talked about last week in, in the message. So Jesus is hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners. And verse 11 says, when the Pharisees saw this, because the Pharisees, now these were the people that had made it all the way through the religious system. These are the people that have been told, you're awesome. You've memorized the Old Testament. They got all the gold stars on their little Sunday school chart. I mean, they were excelling in everything. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because religious people never understand what Jesus is doing. They can't fully grasp it. Now, here's the funny thing. They ask, why does your teacher eat with sinners like they weren't sinners? See, religion can never see, a religious person can never see their own sin because they're so focused on the sins of other people. So they're asking Jesus, they're asking, you know, why is he, now, now Jesus, Jesus, speaks up because he doesn't trust, trust his apostles to answer at this point because they, they haven't been following long enough. So Jesus is like, I'm going to step in so they don't get it wrong. Um, on hearing this, Jesus said, watch this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, I want to pause real quick. Acceptance doesn't equal approval. Acceptance doesn't equal approval. I can accept you as a friend. I can accept you into a church, I can accept you without actually approving of what you do. And we know this because Jesus acknowledges that Matthew and all of his buddies are sick. Jesus fully acknowledges that. Jesus isn't enabling them to sin. He's not giving them permission to sin. He's just like, hey, this is who they are. Let's get them together in a room with me. That's, that was his whole intention and see what happens in their lives. So acceptance doesn't equal approval. So watch this verse 13. But go and learn what this means. Which pause. To tell a religious person who had memorized the Old Testament to go and learn what this means 
was like a tremendous insult. And then he says this, um, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, let me tell you why this is so huge. He's talking to a group of people that had memorized the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, and in Psalm 53, the Bible specifically says, there is no one righteous. So Jesus is essentially saying to them, you're not as good as you think you are. Huge. So, so powerful. So, three main points. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. There's actually people in the room taking notes. It's fascinating. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. There are three main walkaway points I want us to walk away with today. Number one, right now, today, I can follow Jesus. Right now, today, I can follow Jesus. And I don't know if you're in the room, I don't know if you're watching online, and you're like, well, I can't because... I'm not good enough. Like, I've, I've been told I'm not good enough, and I've got to stop this. And some people would actually say, well, Jesus says to repent. Well, he does say repent, but most of the times in the New Testament, when we see Jesus preaching repentance, he's not telling sinners to repent of their sin. He's telling religious people to repent of their religion. And so right now, today, it's not what you stop doing. It's starting to follow, stepping into a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what that looks like. We talked about this, I think, um, two weeks ago. Find something that sets your heart on fire for Jesus and do it a lot. If it's listening to worship music, listen to some worship music. If it's reading your Bible, read your Bible. If it's prayer, prayer. If it's meditation, meditate. I don't know what it is, but figure out what that is and do it for five to ten minutes a day. And this is where I, you'll meet some people who go, I've prayed for an hour. Well, pr bless you. Praise you. <laughs> All glory to you. Let me write you a worship song because you're obviously better than everyone else, okay? It's not about, it. listen, Jesus just wants us to make the effort. Just take a step. Just follow him. And eventually, you'll step out. In fact, point number two, in his time, in his time, he will change me into who I need to be. In his time, he will change me into who I need to be. Because a, a lot of times, I, don't, I wake up in the mirror and I look in the mirror and I don't like who I see. I don't like who I am. But you know what? I'm not where I was six months ago. I'm not where I was a year ago. I'm not where I was 18 months ago. I'm further along in my journey. So over in time, in his time, he will change you. This is what he did to all the apostles. Number three, number three, number three, this is huge. Lasting change can only take place in the context of community. Lasting change can only take place in the context of community. And, and the reason I know this is because if I... This is the myth I want to blow up. You'll hear people say this. All I need is Jesus. Just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus are good. Me and Jesus are good. Me and God are good. All I need is God. Well, if all you need is God, then what do you do with Adam in Genesis 2 where God looked, it's just God and Adam. 
It's just God and Adam. And if that were good enough, then he wouldn't have created Eve. Because God knew that Adam needed a relationship with him, but Adam also needed a relationship with someone else. It's not just Jesus, when he was asked what the most important commandment was, he didn't just say, love God. He said, love others. And left by myself, I will always say negative, hurtful, harmful, deceiving things to myself. That's why we need other people that are willing to step into our lives and speak life into us. Change can take place in the context of community. Now, here's what's funny. I had to go to rehab to learn this. I had to go to rehab to learn this. I had to go to rehab to learn what it's like, listen to me, to be in a place where you're fully known and fully loved. I never will forget my first group meeting at rehab. It's very interesting. Um, and it was a group of about seven or eight people. And I'm not allowed to tell who was in there, but that, I mean, there was some, anyway. So we're in this room and um, it was my first meeting. I, I hadn't been there yet. You know, I just kind of sat down and um, they all are staring at me and they're like, why are you here? Now, I want to pause. I was the only Christian in the room. Okay, trust me, these people, not, I, and I'm, not, I'm not judging. They told me I'm not a Christian, okay? Because I mean, anyway, it came up over 30 days. And so um, they're like, why are you here? And I started to tell my story, and the leader of the group looked at me and said, hey, before you start, no bullshit. No bullshit. You tell us the truth. And my heart rate elevated, started sweating a little bit, like some of you are sweating right now. And I, the next 30 minutes, I talked and I cried and I talked and I cried and I talked and I cried. And when I got done, everybody in that circle looked at me and said, man, we get it. We're glad you're here. They didn't approve of what I'd done to get there, but they accepted me. And you know what? I still have a friend. I asked him for his permission this week. I have a friend named Eric who I met in rehab. Eric's probably watching right now. I know him and his wife watch every week. Eric still follows up with me from when I was in rehab. He, he emails me, texts me, goes, hey man, how are you doing? How are things going? I met somebody who not only stood with me for 30 days, but is still standing with me today. And I'm telling you, in the context of that community for 30 days, which was the toughest 30 days of my life, God used that group of people to change me for the good. And that's our vision for Second Chance Church, that this would be a place where you could show up, you could get life spoken into you, no BS from anything or anyone, and eventually we step into who God has called us to be. So the question for all of us today as we get ready to close is where are you in your walk with Jesus? Because some of us um, probably have given up. We talked about that last week. Don't give up. Some of us have probably given up because religion told us we're not good enough. We felt like we're not good enough. We feel like we tried and we failed. 
Listen, it's not about trying and failing because we're all going to fail. We're all going to fall on our face. It's whether or not we're willing to get back up. And so if you're here, you're watching online, and you feel like you've tried and you failed, maybe, maybe, just maybe, today is God speaking to you and telling you, you know what, I haven't given up on you, so don't give up on me. So with that in mind, can we pray? Every, everybody praying, and if you're, if you're driving right now, don't bow your head and close your eyes, but everybody else can bow their head and close their eyes. And Father, I want to thank you, Jesus, that you don't give up on people that have been given up on, that you constantly pursue those who feel like they're not good enough. And I pray for the person or the people out there that Jesus have been hurt, cast out by religion, that today they would understand, Jesus, that you really do want a relationship with them. And maybe for the first time, somebody out there may just be willing to say yes. With well, heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you're, he, if you're watching online or if you're in the room and you just feel like you've been told you're not good enough, you felt like you're not good enough, and today you realize if Jesus can call Peter, if he can call Andrew, if he can call Matthew, then he can call any one of us. And maybe today's the day you just step back into that relationship with Jesus and say, yes, yes, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you this week, this month, whatever it takes, I'm going to follow you. And maybe you've never, ever, ever prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life. Maybe you have always felt like you're so bad that there's no way that Jesus would ever save you. I want to invite you like we do every week. If you want to give your life to Jesus, listen, if he can save Matthew, if he can save me, he can save you. If you want to give your life to Jesus, then right where you are right now, I just want you to pray in your heart right where you are and just say, Jesus Christ, I confess you are Lord. Right now, I want to ask you to come into my life and take over. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to thank you. If you just prayed that prayer, let me know on Facebook Messenger, or you can email me, prayer at perrynoble.com, prayer at perrynoble.com, and let us know that you prayed to receive Christ. We had four people pray to receive Christ last week. And so we're super excited about that. Um, if you prayed to receive Christ, we want to know that so we can celebrate with you, follow up with you, help you take your next steps in your walk with Christ. Or you can let us know on Facebook Messenger. That would be real cool. And let me just say this. Thank you for those of you that pray for Second Chance Church and for those of you that give every week. For the, if you want to give or start giving to Second Chance Church, MySecondChanceChurch.com is up in the right-hand corner, the Give button. Because you give, we're, we're able to expand the digital platform. We're broadcasting from multiple locations now. Eventually, we're going to have a YouTube channel. Eventually, we'll get the podcast going. And it looks like in April, we're going to have our first corporate gathering where it's going to be at Allscape. Everybody's invited. There'll be worship. There'll be preaching. That's 
pretty much it. That's all we got is worship and preaching. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be coming up, it looks like, in April. I'll give you more details as the details are worked out. Thank you for tuning in today and being at Second Chance Church, where we believe the best is yet to come.